But good evening, everyone. We're going to have fun tonight. I know some of you guys were here for the past couple of weeks, and, uh, or this might be your first time. But let me just give you a, an overview of what we do on our Wednesday nights that we call Equip and Disciple. Uh, one thing is we have our Wednesday night service, and then we also have three other groups uh, that we'll be meeting in the prayer room, uh, courtyard, and our uh, fellowship hall. And you should have gotten a pamphlet when you came in or like a bulletin that have the different uh, areas and so if you're a new believer, you really want to be in our foundations group in our prayer room because then you're going you're gonna to understand what it means to uh, give your life to Jesus Christ, uh, what, what it means or what it meant when you said yes to Jesus. Uh, and then we have our topical study, which is our prayer uh, outside. Oh, no, that's in our fellowship hall. And that's going to be where you learn more and more about the topic of prayer. And then uh, they're going through the book of Philippians for our Bible study group in the courtyard. And so some of you have been here for the past couple of weeks. If this is your first time tonight, one of, uh, first thing, we welcome you. But maybe you're wondering, where, where do I go? Well, you can look at any one of these areas and you can make your way there. We're going to dismiss you. I know they're still doing the, the offering uh, and tithes. But when you're dismissed, you can go to your different areas. But for those who want to be in, in here for our Wednesday night service, you can stay in your seats, okay? So I'm going to dismiss you. So have fun. Enjoy the night, right? Go get them. Have fun. And we're okay. in a series called Advancing the Kingdom. And we've been talking about the four circles of New Hope, the four circles of our church. We talked about small groups. Uh, we also talked about our services, Sundays and Wednesdays. And tonight, we're going to talk about stewardship. And this story that is given is all about stewardship. But the interesting thing is when the Bible talks about stewardship, it's not the kind of stewardship that you and I would think about. It's not the kind of stewardship like we would think, well, I have to take care of something. It's a part of it, but it's not everything. Sometimes we think of stewardship as, well, I have finances, so it's a part of finances. i got to give to God. That's being a wise steward over, over my finances. It's a part of it, but it's not just that. There is so much more to stewardship than it is about money or finances or the time that we have. It encompasses everything to do with one word, really. It has to do with character. You might be thinking, well, how can stewardship be about character? Why would and how can and how does stewardship tie into character? Well, if we think about it, when we're born into this world, we don't have these bags. It would be great if you did, but you don't have that. You don't have the car that you have. You don't have the home that you have now. You don't even have the food that you have right now when you're born. You don't get those things. You come into this world naked. You own absolutely nothing. And then when we go through this world and this, this time that we call uh, time or in this time that we call history, when we go through history and then we die, we don't take anything with us. We don't have nothing to take with us. We can't take all of this stuff with us, can we? But you know what we can take? Our character. See, when God created us, when He thought us up, there was a, an image that He could see that he could see an end result in, in who he's making us to be here on this earth for heaven. 
so that as we learn here on this earth, he's going to bring us to a perfect place called heaven. Everything that we're learning here from the kingdom of God and from his word will be the same things we'll be learning up there. The word of God here is the word of God there because the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and that was the Lord. So when we think about stewardship, we got to get the thoughts of having ownership over something. We have to get the thought of finances out of our mind because if we only think finances when it comes to stewardship, then we're going to miss character-building moments when it comes to this word stewardship. I want us to look at just a, 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 another scripture that we've been looking at in all of the weeks that we've been here, and it's found in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4, excuse me, Ephesians 4, verses 11 and 12. And we talked about this in how God has wired us up in the kingdom of God, that he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So you have for the equipping. It doesn't stop there. For the saints, of the saints, for the work, sorry. And then it continues on of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. So as you can see, when God gives us, whether we're an apostle or prophet or evangelist, we're given that as a ministry, not just for us. And it doesn't stop there. It continues on so that we can edify the body of Christ. You and I are here as the body of Christ. If you believe in Jesus, you are now part of the body of Christ. And you might be thinking, yeah, but I'm a teenager or I'm, I'm a, a, a seasoned person or I, I'm too old for the, the things of God. You know, I, I did my, my service to the Lord. Or you're thinking, but I just received Christ, so there's no way I can be a part of the body of Christ. That's, that's the whole point to us saying yes to Jesus here on this earth, that you're not alone. You're part of the body of Christ, a greater, a greater kingdom. The world has a kingdom, but God has his kingdom. And so our part is to receive from God these different things that he has given to us, these different gifts, if you would call it, and then advance the kingdom of God. And so we all use our gift so that more people can come to know him as Lord and Savior. Here's where we run into the biggest problem. The biggest problem that we face in our world today is not that people are trying to silence the Lord. It's not that people are trying to take prayer out of school, which they already did, but people can, uh, students can still pray in school. It's not that they're trying to uh, persecute Christians. That's not the biggest problem. The biggest problem is us as believers not becoming this. That's the biggest problem in Christendom. It's the biggest problem. The biggest problem is not what we see in the world. The biggest problem is what we see actually in the church. Now, tonight is going to either challenge you, get you upset, or cause you to leave this church. I pray, I pray that it will be the first one, that it would challenge you in the way of encouragement, that it would encourage you to make a decision to say this, I am a part of the body of Christ, that I'm not an, a, I'm not an attender, I don't come to church. I don't attend church because that's one of the biggest problems. We have many attenders, but we don't have, very, we don't have many players. It's like when you go to a football game. This Sunday, you know, I think it's uh, Super Bowl or something like that. And so you're going to have, you know, 
70,000, 80,000 screaming fans in the stadium. But you're only, only going to have 22 players on the field that are actually playing. And you have 80,000 and billions around the world, or millions, I'm not sure who's watching, but you're going to have a whole lot of people watching this game. And sometimes that can be the kingdom of God, that you have 22 players on the field reaching out to people, loving on people, introducing them to Jesus Christ, even in the church, physically serving, doing video, announcements, worship, children, kitchen, cleanup, nursery. You have a few, and then you have the... And I'm not saying that you're not there because I know many of you, you serve and you give your all. But it can come to a place where we as Christians believe we're supposed to sit and listen and that's it. Remember what Jesus said to his disciples? Now, he trained them for three solid years. Imagine that, three years. Let's just say that was our training for Jesus, that Jesus said, after three years, you're going to go. After three years... You're going to go. I'm going to send you to the uttermost parts of the world. And you're going to go and make disciples of all nations. And you're going to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and, the, and of the Holy Spirit. And you're going to teach them everything that I've commanded you. Because I am with you. Always to the end of the age. So you have nothing to worry about. So you might be thinking, but I'm not qualified to teach. I'm not qualified to baptize. Who says you're not? Where did you get that from? Who implanted that in your mind? Because that's not what the Lord says. He gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. He never gave anyone to be sitters. He never gave anyone to be bystanders. According to this list, we have no other option except to be one of these five. An apostle or a prophet, an evangelist or a pastor or a teacher. That's our option. So if you look at this list, already in your mind, you should be thinking, which one am I? Now, I'm not sure if you have a favorite team this coming Sunday, but remember when we were growing up, when we would play flag football or a two-hand touch, like on the road, and we'd just play football? You normally would choose a team. You would say, hey, we're going to be the Steelers. Yeah, we're going to be the Steelers. You guys, you guys are going to be the Cowboys. Or you say, no, no, oh, whatever team was winning the Super Bowl at that time. You, we're going to be the Redskins. We're going to be Washington. And you guys, you guys are going to be the Buccaneers. And so you'd always try and choose the best team, and then you make the other team the, the junk team. And then they say, no, we don't like beat them. And then they choose the best team. And so you look for the best of the best. Why? Because you want to identify yourself with something great or someone great. And you're going to say, oh, I'm going to be this type of quarterback. You're going to say back in the day, right, was Joe Montana or, you know, Terry Bradshaw, or one of those guys. Now you have, uh, what is the uh, Seahawks? Wilson, just testing you guys. Okay, what is uh, Patriots? Tom Brady. Okay, so you now have, you have children nowadays saying those same things. They're looking to those guys as that's who I'm going to be. Now when it comes to the kingdom of God, he says, here's what I gave you. Because in every if you would call it a, uh, a, a gift, and every gift, apostle, prophet, whatever it is, all of this is so that we become more and more like Christ. See, we don't get these gifts so that we can become like us. We receive these gifts so that we can become more and more like Jesus Christ. That's where character comes in. Now, this word that we're going to talk about tonight is the word stewardship. Now, if you look at that word steward, 
just that, just the first part of steward. It's almost like taking care of someone else's property. So we're not necessarily going to talk about the what of stewardship. We're going to talk about the why behind stewardship. So let me just throw out these words. If we take this word in half, where this word came from, steward, we're going to do a little etymology, okay, if we can get a little root word here. There's two words in this. The, the first word, S-T-E, or if you would say stay or stig, it comes from pigsty. That's where it comes from, pigsty. The second word, ward or weird, or it means guard. So in other words, when they say be a good steward, keep guard over the pigs. That's what it's saying. You keep guard over the pigs. Or the Greek word, orkinomos, almost sounds like oink, oink. So you can kind of remember it. So there's pigs involved in this. But the Greek word means house manager. It also means economy. That's why we say steward your finances well. Steward your time well. But if we were to look at the house manager, a house manager does not own the house. So if we're to be wise stewards over our life, do we own this life? No. We gave our life to Jesus Christ, didn't we? We said yes to him. So we are to be a steward over this life. We are to be a steward, yes, over our finances. Yes, we are to manage wisely our time. Yes, we are to manage our relationships well. So when we look at this word steward, it's more than just taking good care of someone else's stuff. It has to do with character. Well, how does character come out of being a wise steward or, or this word steward? How does it come out of stewardship? Well, if you're a house manager, let's just say you had someone uh, who... You, you owned a house, and you had someone be your house manager. And let's just say this person uh, partied all the time. They just went out and full-on alcoholic. Just alcoholism was their, their number one defeat. And they managed your house. And then you gave them the keys, and then they would say, Oh, I'm going to go check out the house right now. It's 4 o'clock in the morning, but I'm uh, sorry. I was busy earlier, but I can, I can go check them out right now. And you said, no, I don't want you to drive because you're drunk. And he said, no, no, I'm going to walk. And so they walk to your house. And then they enter your house. And then you gave them re the responsibility to clean up. And then you check out the house. And it's not clean because they were passed out on the floor. And you walked into that. You said, oh, I passed out on the floor. But I got to get my house clean. So now you start cleaning the house. And then... Not only that, maybe this person sobers up and says, oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Okay, next time, next time. And then you say, meet me tomorrow at 2 p.m. Okay, I'll meet you at 2 p.m. And then they come at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. You've been waiting for three hours. And then they show up, and then you ask them, hey, you know, we were supposed to meet at 2. And they tell you, ah, I know, but I know you care about me, so I never really care if you're waiting for three hours. And then you say, oh, okay, so here's the keys to my house. Can you go clean it, make sure, just manage my house, check the property, check outside. Oh, okay, okay. And then they go, and then you check on it later. They did nothing. They didn't do a single thing. And then let's just say one day you had to sit down with them and you said, listen, you got to do the deal. You got to take care of my house. And they said, okay, I'll take care of your house. Fine, I'll take care of your house. Went back to your house, cleaned everything, everything nice, everything done well. And then the people that, you were rent, that were renting from you went in, but that person still was there, the house manager, and stayed there, just kind of hung out. And then the people came in, and then 
they said, oh, um, we're the ones renting. They said, yeah, yeah, I know. I'm just going to kick back, watch TV. Go ahead. Make yourselves at home. And then they would call you and say, um, the house manager is still here. They're, they're kind of relaxing in here. Is they, are they supposed to be here? And so you meet up with your house manager and you say, hey, you know, I, you're not supposed to be in the house. Well, you know, tell me. No, they're renting this house. You're, you're the house manager. You're supposed to take care of the house. Well, yeah, I am taking care of the house. I cleaned it, didn't I? Didn't I clean the house? Now, at what point would you say you're fired? You might have done that on the first time. You might, maybe the second time, maybe, you know, you give a chance. But the third time, I don't think you would keep that person as a house manager. Because by now, you're finding out their character is not intact. They don't have good character. They may have excellent skills in cleaning, but their character is not there. And so when God gives us this word to be a house manager, that you're managing things, it has very little to do with taking care of someone's property. And it's a part of it, and we're going to go through a couple things that will help us to understand about stewardship. And the first thing is this, that stewardship is not ownership. That's the first thing we got to remember. Stewardship is not ownership. We don't, we don't own anything. It's, it is to take care of, but it's also to expand. Remember the bags that were, were given? That they were given these bags not so that they can just have it and look nice, but they were given it so that they could do something with it. That they would actually use these bags for something. They would make it better. They would increase it. That you leave something better than the condition that you got it in. I remember when we were uh, camping one time and we used my friend's cooler. I didn't know his handle broke. And so when I, when I returned it to him, he looked at it and he said, Hey, you know this handle? It wasn't broken when I gave it to you. And I felt so bad. I said, Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know it was broken. I can fix it. And he said, No, no worries. I, it just wasn't broken. And I, I felt horrible. And I thought, That wasn't being a good steward over my friend's property. We would have our, our youth in here. When I was uh, doing the youth ministry and I was a youth pastor, we would have rallies in here and, and uh, we'd have like summer jams. And so this place was packed with, with high schoolers. And we would use the sound system, the uh, video and all of that. And we would always make sure that we cleaned it up. We'd wipe it down, dust and clean and, and leave it in better condition to the point where they would tell us, when are you guys using uh, the sanctuary again? Because when you guys use it, it is amazingly clean afterwards. And so we felt good. We thought we took good care. We were wise stewards over the facility. When we would do our youth ministry, we would mop, sweep, clean. We would go into the kitchen. If we would use the, the oven, we would scrub everything down, scrub the floor, mop the floor, sweep everything, wipe down the counters. We have to leave it in better condition than when we got it. And isn't that how we, were learned, how we were taught when we grew up? It was all about when you borrow something from someone, you give it back in better condition than when you got it. I remember the last time my friend let me use his lawnmower was because I didn't clean it. I used it, and then he came home, and I said, oh, I'm done with your lawnmower. And he said, oh, okay. How was it? I said, good. I said, thank you. And, and then he looked at it. And still had like grass on it and, and things like that. And I thought, oh, shucks, I can see his face already. So he said, hey, you don't mind, you don't mind just washing them down? And I felt so horrible. I said, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I just got busy and I put it away. I'm so sorry, I'll, I'll clean it and all of that. 
I didn't return it in better shape. And being a steward is not just, oh, I'm taking care of someone's things. It's actually making it become better. With the bags, with the silver coins or the, the, the bags of silver. They brought it back to the master saying, what you gave me is this. But what I'm giving back to you is this. It's more, it's in better condition than when you first gave it to me. So when we think of stewardship, it's, it, it's more about what God has given to us. That he has given us abilities. He's also given us an opportunity. An opportunity to grow in him. In character, an opportunity to grow in maturity. And so think about this. Whatever you have, whatever God has blessed you with, family, uh, even your home or whatever, whatever you have in your possession, it's not so that you're supposed to have it because it's not ownership. It's so that you could use it to become better. And how do you become better with your character? Well, if you give your life to Jesus or when you gave your life to Jesus, at that moment, he started a process to make you and I better and better and better. And doesn't the Bible say that one day he will come back for us? So our hope should be this. Lord, when you come back for me, I want to give myself back to you in better condition than when you first found me. That should be our heart's cry. That, Lord, when you return... I don't want you to return just to save me by the, as the little three little pigs, you know, by the, what is that, by the hair of my chinny, chin, chin. Like, I don't want to just make it into heaven. I want to come back to Jesus. I want, when Jesus comes back, I want to give my life to him back in better condition when I first gave my life, than when I first gave my life to him. I want to do everything possible to utilize everything that he's given to me to better myself. For him. And in the process of that, on this earth, he's going to use us more and more. Why? Because the more we better ourselves and better the condition, he says, I will give you more responsibility. I will give you more responsibility. I will give you more responsibility. Sometimes we think, well, why doesn't God use me more? Well, he wants to, but he's just waiting for us to expand what he has already given to us. He's just waiting for us to build our character. He's just waiting for us to become better and better and better because stewardship, here's the second thing, builds our character. That's what it does. It's not an instant thing. It's not when the Lord says, okay, I, I, I give my life to you. Now you receive me into your heart. So now your character is 100% intact. You're, you're good to go now. You can do, I can do all things through you. I can do whatever I want through you. If we say to God, well, I, I want to do certain things. I want to be the husband that you made me to be. I want my family to be better. I want my loved ones to be, uh, or, or our family and our loved ones to be a, a solid, growing family. I want my relationship with my spouse to be so much better than what it is today. Then he's going to say, okay, I got to build your character then. No, 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 I don't want you to build my character. I want you to change her. Because if you change her, then it would be a whole lot easier. Because if she changes, then... I'll be okay. And then the wife is saying, yeah, Lord, I know you, you want me to change, build my character, but, but if you change him, then it would be a whole lot better. It would be a whole lot easier. But the Lord is saying, no, I, I want to build your character. 
because I'm doing something in you. I want to do something in your life because I've given my life for you. So I want to build your character. And there's a reason why he wants us to build character. God uses what he gives to us so that he can build our character. And it's leading someplace. It's not so that we can just say, oh, I have good character, and so look at me. I'm a good person. There's, there's a reason why he's building our character. And when someone gives you something you didn't earn or something you couldn't afford, aren't you grateful? Aren't you saying to yourself, wow, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate that. Or during Christmas when someone gives you a gift and you're thinking, wow, my gift was only like $10. You gave me a gift that was like $1,000. One, you feel guilty, but you just feel grateful. You feel thankful. But with that, when God gives us a gift, there comes with that an, an incredible amount of responsibility. See, some of us think, God, why don't you do this? Why don't you bless me with more? Why don't I get more? Why don't I have this? Why don't I have that? And God is saying, because you're not even responsible with what you have right now. I want to. But there are certain key character qualities that I want to build in you now that will prepare you for what I'm about to bless you with. But if you can't do this right now, then you're not going to be ready for this. It's like the person who goes into the gym, first day at the gym, first day, looking at the weight set. It's like, oh, I'm going to lift like 205. And then they just jump on. You want to, but you cannot. And you just push it. You try. You cannot. It's like you tell your friend, bro, spot me, spot me. And he spot you, and your friend is just carrying the whole thing. You can't right now. But if you start at like 125, and then you build your way up there, then you eventually get to 205. Listen very carefully. In our marriages, you want it to be better. But it may not be where you want it to be today. Start with what you have today because God is building character. He's not necessarily building your marriage better. He's building your character better. And when your character gets better, guess what, guess what happens to your marriage? It gets better. Yeah, but I want my family to be a strong family and, and I want them all to attend church. Okay, start building your character. Yes, yeah, but if, if, if God helped my, you know, if, if God changed my children and that would be great, then they, and then they would all come to church. Yeah, yeah God's going to start with you. He's actually using your children to build your character. That is the best way that God can build our character is to have everything that he has given to us to be used to build our character. If, you, if we look at our finances, oh, okay, God, when you bless me, you, if you just give me more, you give me that job, you give me this, give me a raise, then I'll tithe to you. Then I'll give because I want to give. My heart is to give to you, Lord. And the Lord is saying, okay, I want to build your character. Give what you can right now. No, no, no. When, when you bless me more, because right now I, I cannot. And, and some of you are saying, literally, you cannot. And, and God, God understands that. But he's saying, well, I'm going to use your finances then to build your character. Yeah, but I want more finances, Okay. With what you have right now, how's your character? How are you, how responsible are you with your finances? Are you responsible with your finances? Are you taking care of your finances? When you borrow money from someone, do you pay them back? Well, I go and pay them back. Yeah, that's where I'm starting on. I'm starting on your character. Well, I owe them like $100. I don't know $100. Do you have a dollar? Yeah, well, I'm not going to give them a dollar. I guarantee you, if you went to them and said, oh, I, I have $1 today, but I'll build up to $100, that's building your character. Why? Because it takes humility to do that. 
It takes a humble heart to say, Boo, I know more hundred, but I get dollar. Auntie, I know more hundred, but I get dollar. Boss, I know more hundred, but I get dollar. Probably your boss would say, you know what, keep them. <laughs> just, say, just take them, buy Simon or something. It, God is going to use that to build our character. But if we're saying, but God, give me more, give me more. He's saying, wait, I, I'm just trying to work with your character with what you have right now. Much less trying to make more. You're not going to handle 205 right now. You've got to start with 125 and then build to 205. For some of us, God has given us certain abilities, certain gifts that he says, I want you to use this for me. And for some reason, maybe you're saying, but I don't know, I'm not sure, and I'm praying. But God is saying, I've already answered your prayer. You're supposed to use your gifts for me. I already gave that to you. Some are apostles, pastors, teachers, evangelists. I've given you. So start using that already. Just start there. And then I will bring the increase one person said it this way. They, they moved away from their hometown to this big city. And he noticed this. He said, you know, many people here try to be something they're not so that they can get something they don't have. That they work so hard at becoming someone they're not so that they could buy something they don't have. It's almost like we sacrifice our character so that we can have more stuff. But that's not what the, the story of the, that, that parable of the, the manager or the master that said to his servants, I want you to manage this for me. That wasn't the story of it. It wasn't to get more stuff. Because if you notice, in that story, not once did the master say when they brought back five more, not once did the master say, thank you for getting five more. You know what the master said? Enter into the joy of your master. You've been faithful with a few things. Now you can be faithful with much more. Enter into the joy of your master. See, there's something that God is doing with our character. Stewardship builds our character. The book of Romans tells us this in Romans 5, th- 5 3 through 5. It says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. And, and I know that's kind of far-fetched for many of us. We don't rejoice when we run into problems and trials. We kind of stress out. We, we, we yell at people or we do other weird things. So we can rejoice too, and this is the Bible saying this, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they will help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And then it continues. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. So the Bible tells us that character is not the end of it. You know what the end of it is? The end of it is love. That's the end. Did someone just turn off the lights by accident? Okay. I think they're going to turn it back on. Or, or are you telling me my time's up? Is that what it is? <laughs> they're panicking upstairs. You guys can still see me. It's okay. Well, let's just continue. Philippians 1 verse 11. It says, So God created human beings in his own image, in the image of God. Right? First Genesis. Genesis 1 Where am I? 
First Genesis. Philippians 1.11. Oh, it's not on my notes. I'm sorry. Philippians 1.11. It says this. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. And I thought, wait a minute. If the Bible is saying that the righteous character produced in my life by Jesus Christ brings much glory and praise to God, if that's what character does, then the best way for me to bring glory and praise to God, yes, singing is great, and worshiping Him in that way is great, but we can also bring glory and praise to God in our character because the end result of character is love. It's Christ's love in us. Isn't it interesting that we can find people that say they love God, and they do, they love God, but their character doesn't match their love for God. That they, I mean, we can, we can talk the Christian talk, we can say hallelujah, praise the Lord, and all of that, but our character does not match it. We can come to church praising God and writing down the notes and then saying, oh, I love God, even post wonderful scriptures on Facebook and Instagram and say, oh, I love God, God is so worthy of praise. And then the next post, beep, my mother guys, they beep, and so-and-so, and beep, it's like, wait a minute, what just happened? See, love must match our character. God's love should match our character. It should match it. Here's the last thing. Stewardship is about relationship. Let me just throw this in. Oh, sorry about that. I have my notes all messed up. That's okay. I'll just go to this one. This is the easiest one. So just think of it this way. Every relationship that you and I have, every single relationship, is God saying to us, are you stewarding that relationship well? Are you a person who is saying, well, in my marriage, I'm going to steward this marriage well. I'm going to let God build my character so that in this marriage, when he comes back, he will see this marriage from beginning to end saying, whoa, from the beginning of your marriage, it's kind of rocky, and this year it was kind of unstable. This year it was kind of flatline. But this year, wait a minute, you started to grow. You started to mature, and you started to learn more and more about me, and your character was being built. And so he looks at our marriage and says, wow, your marriage is a whole lot better than when it first started. That's what he's looking for. Are we saying to him, this is who I am becoming? Because God never gives us something so that we could have it. He gives us something so that he can build character in us. What's that? Go back to? Third? Oh, stewardship is about relationship. I'm sorry if I missed that one. Stewardship is about relationship. So when it comes to us and God, think about it this way. He owns everything. He owns us. So we want to be wise stewards, not just with our relationship with one another. We want to be wise stewards with our relationship with God. That's where our time comes in. We invest a lot of time into worshiping Him or coming together as a church, building relationship with one another. Why? Because stewardship is about relationship. So now, first Genesis, uh, Genesis 1, I'm sorry, Genesis 1, 27, the Bible tells us, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created man. Male and female, he created them. 
You're made in the image of God. Now, when you first open the Bible in Genesis chapter 1, most of us know what those first few words are. It says, in the beginning, God created. So if we're made in the image of God, guess what God gave to us? He gave us the ability to create. He gave us the ability to make things. I was just watching this uh, quick news flash. It said that Apple, the company Apple, has hit a record-breaking quarter. I think it was a quarter, right, Heidi? I don't know if it was. So $18 billion this past quarter. It was the most any company has ever made in the history, well, our, I guess our modern-day history, $18 billion. Now, if you think about the inventors of Apple products, guess where that, cre- that creative ability came from? It came from God. We're made in the image of God. We are co-creators, that we can create things. This was made by human beings. These bags were made by human beings. The chairs you're sitting on, the clothes that you have, the car that you're driving were made by human beings. Imagine that. We have the ability to create. God gave that to us. He gave us the ability to make things. But he, he gave us that ability so that we could reach out to more people and bring them into his kingdom so that we can be people who advance the kingdom. In other words, he wants us to be keepers of his kingdom, managers of his kingdom, people who take very good care of people so that when he comes back, we are in better shape and so are people in our care than when we first met them. Here's a question I want you to think about. And, and, and maybe you want to write this down or, or if you have a good memory, here it is. Who am I becoming today? That's just a thought. Who, who are you becoming today? Are, are you becoming more and more like you, the world, another person, or are you becoming more and more like Christ? Who am I becoming today? How am I taking care of what God has given to me or entrusted me with? And is it being used so that I become more and more like Jesus? With everything that God has given to me, am I becoming more and more like Him? And how do I take what God has given to me to utilize it so that I become more and more like Jesus? I know that's a lot to write down, but the end result is, am I becoming more and more like Jesus? Because stewardship is really about doing what God wants us to do so that we can become who God wants us to be. And so that's our challenge. Lord, who are we becoming? Are we becoming more and more like you? Stewardship is not ownership. It's more about relationship. The manager, and I'm going to close with this, the manager and, or the, the servant and the owner, they had a certain type of relationship. It was a, I give to you, you take good care of. But that relationship changed the moment they brought back even more what the owner gave to them. And then when the owner said, enter into the joy of your master, he said that to two of them, right, because they were wise stewards over what he gave to them. But the one that he said, you wicked servant, it almost seems like the owner was unfair, that the owner was angry at that person. That the owner was upset and, and in, 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 the, in the heat of the moment of being anger, uh, angry that the owner took it out on that so-called lazy servant. 
But if you think about it, the owner wasn't mad or angry at that servant. The manager was more heartbroken because the whole point to that story was for the servants to be happy with the owner. That was the whole point to the story. The owner wants the servant to be with him in happiness. And when that one person, that one servant said, I choose not to, I knew you were a wicked master. I knew you, were gonna, you, you, you weren't going to uh, do what you said. That person made an assumption, that servant made an assumption on the owner. And that person was proven wrong. And the owner said, oh, you're going to be in a place that it's not going to be happy. And Jesus used weeping and gnashing of teeth as a way to illustrate that is the worst place to be, far from the owner. It's the worst place to be. It's my encouragement to you tonight is to be an advancer of the kingdom, to be someone who advances his kingdom, to be a, a keeper of the kingdom, to be a wise steward over the relationship that he has given to you with him, but mostly that when he comes back, that we are in better condition than when we first gave our life to Jesus Christ because he's constantly building our character so that the end result is God's love in us. And when people see that, they will glorify our Father in heaven because our light shines so bright. May we be wise stewards over everything that he has given to us. We don't own a single thing. It's on borrow so that he can build our character. Can we say amen to that? And we bow our heads for a moment and we'll close in prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you, first of all, for showing us your life as an example that you gave to us your life so that we could have eternal life with you. The story that you have given to us, this parable, is not so much on just taking care of stuff so that we can get more stuff. It's really about entering to the joy of our master, you, being a joyful person in your presence, to be a part of your kingdom. We don't want to be attenders, Lord. We want to be people who participate. So can you give us the kind of heart that you have that will go out into the world and reach others for you? That even in our own care, we have people, we have finances, we have cars and homes, children, it's all on borrow, Lord. We don't own any of it. We don't take it with us. But you use it to build our character so that the end result is that we look more and more like you. That our love for you would permeate every single part of our life so that when people come close to us, they don't see us, they see Jesus. We pray this in your precious name. And we all said Amen. Amen.